Welcome to the Challenger CEO podcast with your host, Karen Pollard. This podcast is for big heart, big impact CEOs who want to change the world, challenge the status quo and change the narrative. They're change makers, solution makers, problem solvers, looking for ways to challenge that status quo and change the way things have always been done. If you're in that group, you're in the right place. Today, I am joined by the amazing Phyllis Woodfine, who is an osteopath and mindset coach. So without further ado, Phyllis, because I know that you have got an amazingly colorful history and a big string of bows to your violin or feather or whatever it is that they call it. (laughs) So for anybody that doesn't know who you are, what's your elevator pitch? Oh gosh, I'm the world's worst with elevator pitches. (laughs) So my main thing is osteopathy, but I've been involved in that world for 25 years, I suppose. I originally trained as a building surveyor. I know, completely unrelated. (laughs) Um, But it was, you know, it was where my vibe was at the time. Then I was getting a bit older, you know, that hitting 30 and thinking, this isn't quite what I want to do anymore. So I got into uh, complementary therapies, trained in aromatherapy, reflexology, massage, did all of that. Mm. Um, And at the time, I was also big into meditation. I was studying Buddhism and I was meditating and it dropped in that I needed to retrain to be an osteopath. So that's what I did. (laughs) That's very interesting. So what is your cultural and heritage background then? And how did that then move into or impact complementary health? Uh, so my culture, I'm my parents are Jamaican, both of my parents. They came here in the 50s, um, but I was born in this country and uh, was brought up probably a little bit, probably uh, Methodist a little bit, but never really, you know, I'd say I believe there's something, but I mm. hadn't really thought about, you know, once I stopped going to um, Sunday school and that sort of thing, mm. didn't really carry on doing any of that. Mm-hmm. And I suppose... As I got older and was doing different things, I got um, involved with um, a group called the Woodcraft Folk, which is a bit like a breakaway movement from Girl Guides, Scouts, that sort of thing. So it's a mixed group. Their ethos was span the world with friendship. So it wasn't a religious background. But within that group, there were lots of people who looked at Buddhism, studied meditation, did other things. So that got me initially interested probably around the age of... 1920 Mm. and then I started looking more into it started studying it the group I was in probably I would say I felt as if they were a little bit sexist as I was getting a little bit older so I stopped doing the studying of the Buddhism and just read the odd bit for me but carried Mm. on with doing the meditation Mm. used to go to um, you know I went to a couple of retreats and stuff like that Um, but that's what got me really interested in other things that were out there and realising that, you know, I do believe there's a higher power, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I would put it as God, but uh, whatever it is, there is something there, I think, that's guiding us, leading mm. us, but we do have the ability to move in the direction that we want to. Mm. So I'm not a, you know, labour, it's going to happen to you, whatever happens. It's like you do have to guide your ship. You do have to look to where it is that you want to go. And I think that that's what's led me to do the different things that I've done over the years. That's fascinating. And it doesn't sound as if you're conforming to the mould 
at all? Probably not. No, I'm probably not. I'm probably trying to, you know, beat out that mould quite a bit. <laughs> Put little, little knocks in different places. Yes. So how was it when you encountered that, that culture of sexism then? I suppose um, I'm one of those people who sometimes I'll call stuff out and probably as I've got older and more confident, I'll call more stuff out. Um, at that point, I probably felt that maybe it was my belief about what was going on and that, you know, my study of Buddhism at that time meant it's not, you know, that isn't what it's about. Mm. But possibly the group that I was involved with, there was some of the people in there who had their stereotypical ideas. Mm. But it would also be, I suppose, because being a black woman, I had already experienced the racism and the um, thoughts about who you are as a black person mm. and certainly as a black woman. Mm. So this was just another thing. It's like, you know, how are you going to deal with this? And exactly what I was saying beforehand, you're not going to be, you're going to steer your own ship. You're not mm. just going to be led by what other people say. Yeah. So, yeah. so you're an osteopath and a mindset coach. Yeah. How does that work together? So, um, I mean, initially they would have been two separate things. <laughs> so it was very much... Um, my interest in the psychology and how the mind works had always been there. I started, even when I was training to be a building surveyor, I started um, a psychology degree. Um, but I was already doing another diploma and working um, full time. So it was a bit too much at mm. 19. So I only did it for about a year, but it really sparked that interest. And that never went. Um, and when, as I said, it dropped in that I needed to be an osteopath, I started doing that, trained, got my degree, and they asked me to come back and help teach. And I started doing that initially, went on to do my PGCE, but that's another thing, that's me a bit, a bit of a polymath. I always think, oh, right, oh, there's another course, I'll do that one. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, at that time, I suppose... I was helping students as well. I asked to be student support. They asked me to be student support for um, the students who were really mainly mature students who were doing the course at that point. And that got me further into, well, how does this affect you studying mm. to do something that's really hard work mm. um, when you're a bit older? You know, you're no longer just a school leaver when you've probably got responsibilities of family, you know, relationships, all these things. So that got me further looking into the mind. Mm. And I started looking into NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, that very much looks at the mind. Um, and also, again, a little bit of psychology and all these things. Mm. Um, and all of that helped me to help those students and also to help myself. And with that, my patients, because mm. your patients are human beings. They come in with not just that I've got achy mm. back, I've got, you know, neck pain, I've got whatever. They usually in that time because you're involved with them in a way that other medics aren't. Your hands are on them. And they start telling you things. So you start having conversations with them. So that really deals with them, you know, mm. starts you getting thinking about their mindset. And so all of that sparked more of my interest to look into, well, how can I do something about this? So yeah. I then went into, you know, studying NLP, um, doing sort of like my master practitioner in that, doing EFT, doing hypnotherapy and doing coaching. So I thought the coaching was like, 
this is a really interesting way of doing things. The simple thing of just asking a question of somebody mm. that gets them rethinking mm. what it is mm. and actually stopping and thinking about, well, where does that come from? Mm. How have I got this idea? Is it really what's inside me or is it what other people have said to me and I've taken on? I talk about sometimes you having a library of thoughts right? and those thoughts... Are they your own, you know, is it your book that you've created or is it something that somebody's given you, telling you you can't do something? So you've now taken it into your library mm. and kept it in there. And it's looking at how you can now get that out of your library. You can give it back. You can take it <laughs> back. That. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. no longer need that. Yes. Um, so all of that comes in with both the student population and certainly with my patients that I'm dealing. So that's mm. how I've got into the mm. mindset side of it as mm. well. Yeah, that's great. I, I know there's quite a lot of us that have overdue library books that need to be <laughs> yeah. returned. Totally, totally. Mm. And that, you know, and that's part of the resilience that we need to build as individual and especially as women, um, you know, at the risk of being given a stereotype, but women tend to be regardless of what age they are, they often, other than a very small period where we might be really confident, mm. um, but they tend to be, they if they've got something that they're meant to, you know, that they want to do, like a job they want to apply for, and they have 80% of the skills, mm. but 20% of it they don't have. Mm. Women are more likely to look at it and think, I have 80%, but I don't have 20% of it. I'm not going to go for it. Right. Whereas stereotypically, and I, you know, hold my hands up, I am talking about a stereotype here, it's not every single one, but men tend to think, I've got 20% of the skills, I'm going to go for it. They don't think about the 80 they haven't got. Mm. And what tends to happen to women is when we then get further hormonal changes, which is a big thing that I think about as we're getting older, sort of like in the 40s and our hormones mm -hmm. are changing, our mindset then starts to focus on that 20% we don't have and what we can't do and right. forget how amazing we can be. And it only takes a little tweak for us to then start to recognise what we can do. I understand that's an area that you're incredibly passionate about. And, yeah. And that's your mission is supporting women through perimenopause and the menopause process. Yeah, yeah. Big time. Um and in a way that's not medicalizing it. I mean, I, you know, hold my hands up that I am so excited by the fact that we are talking about it now. You know, even when I was in my 20s and 30s, it didn't, you know, your mother didn't really talk about her menopause. Most people weren't having conversations about it. Now it's more in, you know, it's in the media. Yeah. They're talking about it. But unfortunately, and I say that with a little you, there's a way in which it's being medicalized, that it's a problem. Right. Whereas it is another stage that we are going through. And it's a stage that we're going to go through maybe for 40 years if we're lucky. Um, and in a really positive way, we can deal with it. Mm. You know, it's just, we dealt with teenage, you know, and having the teenage hormones. We dealt with... Um, you know, going through our 20s, we dealt with having children, if that's what you did, all those things. And it's a case of you can deal with the menopause and the perimenopause in a really positive way. Mm. There are lots of things that you can do to support yourself whilst you're going through this yeah. and recognising 
what some of the feelings, some of the sensations, some of the effects that it has on you and how you can mm. move forward through mm. that, but in a holistic and positive way. And great, if you want to take HRT, that's brilliant. There are loads of women who can't take HRT or don't want to. Mm. And equally, there are lots of women who are out there and will mix all those things, but don't know that they can mix those things, mm. what they can do that's going to additionally help them to move through the fact that they've now realised at 40 that actually I'm not doing what I want to do anymore. I now want to start my own business, but I'm actually yes. feeling like, is this too much? And people are telling me that, no, you're washed up, you know, mm. you're no longer viable. And we are totally and utterly viable and there are things that we can do that can support us through them. And they don't have to be that we're taking medication for it. They can be, but additionally with that, there are other things that we can do that can support our well-being, our wealth, our health and our well-being. Mm. So what kind of things could they be doing in addition then? So... Movement is one of the big ones. If you're not somebody who's great into exercise, you know, again, I do a lot of walking, but I don't do the exercise that I used to do when I was younger. I mean, I was, you know, a sprinter. Or I used to do netball, tennis, blah, all the rest of those things. I don't do it now. Yeah. But I walk. <laughs> Trust me, if I tried to run for a bus, it would be because I really know that I'm not going to get where I've got to go. <laughs> I'll wait for the next one to come. But we can do movement. So walking is movement. You can walk fast, you can walk slow that's movement. All of that is going to help you because it's going to improve your mind. There is endless research that shows um, in neuroscience how being out there, moving, getting the mind working, just being mm. out there, mm. how that can help us. So that's one of the things that can help you. Looking at your mindset and how you're thinking about things, those library books that you've got in there and which one's really and truly are mm. ones that you need to keep hold of. Mm. You know, some of the things that we think, I'm no good at this or I'm really, you know, is that true? Is mm. there evidence to support that? Mm. And more often than not, there isn't when you really look at it. But we don't often open up those library books mm. and look exactly what they're saying. Mm. So it's, it's starting to look at those sort of things. It's also using something as simple as aromatherapy oils. Um, there are different oils you can use that can help improve your mood. You can either use those by putting them in the bath, having them in the shower, burning them, putting them on your pulse points. There's different things that you can do. Ylang Lang is the most beautiful oil for mm. women. Um, Neroli, again, that's a really great women's oil. Now, those ones are quite expensive. You've got the alternatives of mandarin but you can use them with other ones to have yeah. similar sort of effects. Yeah. So there's lots of things we can do, but we don't often know what they are. And it's mm -hmm. just finding out what those additional things are that we can do as women to keep us moving forward in a really positive and effective way. Mm. What I heard you describe there were really positive actions around uh, self-help and self-care which I think very often as women, we are very guilty of not doing and putting yeah. ourselves at the back of the list. Exactly. So it's it's almost, it's it feels very counterintuitive. Yeah. And I totally get that. And, you know, again, I don't have any children, so I've not got that. But I've got elderly parents 
uh, parent now um, who I've had to balance all of this with. And there are lots of women who are doing both those things. Mm. Some of them who have got older kids who are still there in the background. You know, I still have conversations with mum <laughs> about stuff. <laughs> so you've got those things as well that are going on. Yeah. But that age-old saying of you can't fill from an empty cup is very, very true. You have to fill your own cup out, mm. up and you have to take time out for you and you need to do that regularly. And even if that is 20 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, it is better than nothing. The alternative is that we do nothing and then we reach burnout, whatever you want to call it, but we reach that stage where we can't deal with anything else mm. and that we're almost like, well, you know what, I don't want to lift this duvet off. I'm just going to stay here in bed and forget that the world is there. And that's the stage you don't want to get to. Yeah. And you can easily, easily work towards not getting that stage by doing little things. And that's why I say it's easy. It's not easy to do the great big things, but it's actually easier than you think to do little things. And if you start small, you can build on it. And that's all I'm saying is mm. start small. Look at these things. What can you do to change something today? Mm. But start today. So it's about compound actions and consistency. Totally. And the frequency of it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the thing is, the consistency is a great thing. If you can do it every day, but it's the same as when I talk to my patients, I will give them exercises, you know, movement that's going to help them with whatever it is that they've got. But as I will say to them, unless you want to come and see me every single week, which great, if you can afford <laughs> to do it, then brilliant. But you don't necessarily want to be doing that. What I'm doing is reminding you that your body, your mind, everything has its own system of helping itself. Yeah. We as humans just stop it from doing that. Mm. So all I'm doing is reminding you of those things you can do to help yourself. The more you do it, the better it will be. But if you manage to do it two days and you forget to do it two, don't beat yourself up over that. Just start again. Mm. And that's how... That to me is consistency. I'm not saying you've got to do it every single day and do it without fail. Great if you can do that. Realistically, there are other things that are going to come in. Don't beat yourself up over those. Mm. But remember, look, I've got this skill. I can do this. I'm going to do it the next mm. day and keep moving forward. Yeah. So it's about being the CEO of your own healthcare whilst you're the CEO of your own business as well. Totally. Totally. And that resilience is... I'll, one of the things that I sometimes talk to people about is if you think of babies, you know, unless they've got some medical problem, most babies, when they start to learn to walk, they'll get up, they'll fall down. They'll get up, they'll fall down. They'll get up, they'll fall down. And they keep doing that until they manage to keep standing up. Mm. They don't say, okay, bad job, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. What's the point? I'm not going to learn to walk. It's never going to happen. So they don't do it. We look at how babies and children act. They are that, you know, they're that mould that is now trying to find its own way. Mm. And we can learn, we can model so much from what they're doing. Mm. And that's all it is, is it's just, okay, I've tried this, this hasn't worked, maybe there's another way of doing it. Mm. You know, this is, I know this feels really great, so I'm going to do it again. Yeah. And okay, I might have forgotten yesterday that it didn't feel great, but today I can remember it did feel great mm. and keep keep mm. on that consistency and that resilience. Yeah. Something I want to touch on with you is around 
this demographic of this rising tide of female entrepreneurs over the age of 40. Yeah. I'm very vocal about calling out the fact that it's the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs out there, but also the fastest, the, the, the biggest group with the least amount of access to support and funding in business. What we probably don't talk about is this forgotten group and this big phase that you're talking about mm. in your in your life that you're going through, one of the things that really irks me, and I think they have a place and they're great to some extent, but when you have these lists, these limited lists with the limited age group, the you know, ten under ten and twenty under twenty and thirty under thirty, yeah. you know the the kind yeah. of list I'm talking yeah. about. Some of the things that you've been talking about really feeds into okay, well. What happens when I'm not this high achiever that's being recognized and has the accolades? What advice do you have for female entrepreneurs in that 40s plus age group having to juggle, building a business, whether they have a family, whatever the dynamics are, plus this whole change and rush and emotions and hormones and everything else coming at them? So, I mean, there is a number of things, I suppose, to try and unpack some of that. I mean, <laughs> one of the things is, hey, you've got there. That's, you know, there are plenty of women who haven't, who have, various things have happened to them that meant that they've said, you know, they've created a full stop. So celebrate where you've got to, that you are there, that you are amazing. And really, really celebrate that. Because often people say celebrate and it's like, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to celebrate. No, I mean really celebrate. Celebrate that you are here in a tough world, whatever is going on that you have managed to get to this point. And that you are now considering, I'm going to become a CEO. I'm going to create this. The fact that your mind has got to that point, again, you've got to celebrate it. There is something there that is pushing you forward that is saying, I want more. I want to produce more. I want to help more people. Whatever it is, celebrate that and do not denigrate yourself. Do not put yourself down over what you're not doing. Mm. And, you know, the thing about the 10 under 30, brilliant. I'm going to celebrate what they're doing. But actually, no, I'm not that. I'm not 30 anymore, but what I am, I might be 40. But I've got 10 years more experience on there, 10 more, 10 more years of life events, and I'm still here. And so I think that's the biggest thing is from that mindset point of view, that resilience point of view, celebrating what you have done as opposed to what you haven't. Mm. And always moving forward. And... It's great in therapy, we will look back at some things, but certainly within coaching and mindset work, we're looking forward. How can we keep on moving forward? Mm. And if you are celebrating what you're doing and you're having gratitude for where you are now and what you've learned from what's gone on beforehand, that is a real positive way of moving forward. Mm. It is a way of getting those library books out the ones that you really need to look at and remember all of those amazing things you've done and then giving back the ones that you've kept that mm. are a bit long overdue that you shouldn't shouldn't be cold, mm. holding on to, that you need to give back. Or write in your own book. Totally. Totally. Love that, Karen. Yeah, totally. Write in your I'm going to nick that one. Write your own book. 
<laughs> Speaking of, do you have a book in you, Phyllis? <laughs> uh, yeah, I keep saying it's going to happen. It's going to next year. Next year. There we are. I've said it live. Next year, I'm going to work on right. that one. Yeah. We're going to hold you accountable to that because I know you. <laughs> What do you say to people when you hear the phrase, oh, I've peaked too soon? Do you think that there is such a thing as peaking too soon? No. Because ultimately you've hit one level. There's nothing to stop you from going up to the next one. What's going to stop you keep moving forward? Mm. You know, that's the same. uh, I have a conversation with people sometimes about even with my family. So I'm very different to my sisters. I'm... Uh, And my brother, they're almost like, oh, my gosh, you're doing another course? Why? And I'm like, well, you can never know enough. It's always, you know, that moment when you're not wanting to keep moving forward and learn more is Mm. a point when I think, well, that's a bit when really I need to be, you know, Mm. I need need to be pushing up daisies. (laughs) So whilst I still have that capacity and whilst you still have the capacity to learn more, to move forward, to celebrate what you're doing, then keep on doing it. Mm. I don't think there's there's ever a time that you need to stop. I'm, you know, doing three courses at the moment. One of them I know won't be finishing until May. I know that when that's finished, that's to celebrate my 60th. That's like, okay, I've got this diploma in this now. What next? Doesn't mean that I'm not looking at what I've done and how that can help me to help more people Mm. because all of the things that I have done have helped me to help other people, but they've also given me great joy. You know, I'm not completely selfish. I get joy from this. I'm not doing it because I don't, because I just have to. You know, that's part of it, but I do get great joy and celebration. And trust me, every day I have gratitude for where I am, for the people that I've met, for the things that they have told me, for how they've helped me. And Mm. I think if you carry on looking at what you can do in life and how you can move forward, then that's the best way to be. We're all going to have stuff that attempts to hold us back, Mm. that challenges us, you know, as a certainly as said, I say it again, as a black woman, trust me, you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, the National Front, we're around, all this. So I was aware of racism, but I didn't let that stop me from moving forward. Um, you know, if you look at people like, I often quote, you know, Mel- Nelson Mandela, mm. 27 years incarcerated. In that time, he could have sat back and just said, I'm not going to get out of here. So what's the point? He didn't. You have in you that ability to keep moving forward, Mm. to keep striving for something. That's part of the human condition. Mm. So why don't, you know, why not accept it and keep doing that, keep moving forward. That's fabulous. In a way that's positive. Great advice, great advice. I know we've we've touched a lot around entrepreneurs. and, And I think looking especially in terms of uh, the menopausal phase for women in the corporate life, and how do you how do you change the conversation in corporate environments, especially for females in leadership positions? And very often, they will not be the status quo. Yeah, and you know, I totally will accept that that's not easy to do. However, I think. A big part of it is talk about the elephant in the room. 
you got to talk about it. When I worked in local government as, as a building surveyor, I would say, oh, my God, I've got a hot flush. Oh, it's coming on. I'd talk about it, what? Yeah. You know? It was just a natural part of what's going on. I know it's not easy to do it, and I recognise that. And there are some of us that are going to be more trailblazers than others. But I think it's having that conversation, having that conversation with the people in your life, be they women, be they men, be they your work colleagues, trying to have some sort of a conversation around it Mm. to recognise that this is part of our lives. This is no different to us going through puberty. This is just the next stage. Actually, as women, we're blooming powerful Mm -hmm. when we're going through this stage, Mm -hmm. yeah? And it's recognising that we can bring this to the table. We can make conversations about this. We don't have to do it in a way that's um, putting ourselves down mm. and showing up how we are. You know, the same as I just said to you there, God, the hot flush <laughs> came on there. That's it. Well, you know, I've got my, you know, like flannel. <laughs> I'm going to, exactly, I've got my flannel where I'm going <laughs> to. So that's as normal. I'm yeah. fine now. So yeah. trying to attempt to normalise things. Mm. I do recognise that not all women can do that. They might not have the confidence. But if you've got the confidence to do it, start doing it. Mm. If you start doing it little by little, it becomes a bit more of a normal thing. Mm. I used to be a clinic tutor. And often in that, you know, come in and it'd be a really stressful environment. Again, stressful environments can up up those levels of you then getting, you know, the vasodilation uh, um, increases you start sweating more the rest of it and when all this was going on I'd be saying to the students hey look this is normal this is what your patients might be going through so recognize it you've just got to call it out call Mm. out the elephant in the room yeah as I said I know it's not an easy thing to do but we've got to start somewhere you sound like a modern day suffragette (laughs) (laughs) leading this 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 silent revolution Yeah, I probably wasn't as brave to go tie myself, you know, um, padlock myself to the fences. But you never know, maybe I would have done. <laughs> I don't know, there'll be lots of mums, aunties, grannies. All <laughs> um, one of the, the words that I, I hear coming out from you a lot is around resilience. Mm. And we're entering into a very unstable Times. I mean, I'm saying we're entering into, it just feels like we're continuously entering into. But we do tend to label certain ages that we go into. And in the UK at the moment and globally, there's a lot of issues around uh, economy, social issues, war, everything's all interlinked. And um, even this morning waking up, first headline that popped on my phone was about we're one step closer to recession. So it's almost like we're being fed these messages that the library books, we're being fed these messages that it's almost like we're we're warming ourselves up to it happening. Mm -hmm. So when you bring in words like resilience, how do you combat and fight that, that wall that seems to be closing in? I think there's a number of ways that we can look at that. It's all the first thing, the media is going to do what the media wants to do. The reality is, as far as recession is concerned, we're always heading towards the recession. That's life. 
I have been through, I can't even tell you, probably about four recessions in my lifetime. And that's probably less than some other people have been. Um, it's always going to happen. So remember that. Mm. And we're always heading there. Mm. That doesn't help the person who is now deciding, do I hate or do I eat? I recognise that. Um, but if we are living in a democracy where we can help one another, it is remembering that. It's having that gratitude for where you are at the moment, but what else can you do to help others where you can? Mm. And recognising that there are things that you can do. I had a conversation with somebody recently. We were talking about jobs that people did. And this was because somebody was forgetting where their parents had come from. Mm. And, you know, um, basically they were saying to them, don't tell them what you do, that you've done this. Don't tell them, you know, that you've been a cleaner and whatever. And I said, well, why not? Why wouldn't you do that? You want to be, you've done whatever you can to keep your family and soul together. Mm. I've delivered pizzas. I've cleaned offices. I have sold things at car boot sales before car boot sales were a thing. <laughs> I will do anything I need to do to get me where I need to be and to support my family around me. Mm. And I think what we need to do as individuals is look, what can we do? How can we cut back? What can we conserve? How can we move forward in this? Mm. And how can we help those who aren't in the position that we're in? Mm. If you are working you're working. Look at what you're doing. We often then say, I can't do this. Is it that you can't do or do you not want to do? Mm. And it's really looking at realistically and honestly where you are and how you can move forward. The recession's going to be there. It doesn't make any difference what you do the media are still going to talk about this recession and they're going to get people panicking and doing what they do. Mm. You know, I'm the same as anybody. I go into the shops and know that that bag of shopping that used to cost me £30 is now costing me £45, £50 for the same things. Okay, do I need that? Can I, you know, get the mm. cheaper option? Mm. It is looking at ways that you can change things, mm. but also not letting that fear factor stop you from doing anything mm, mm. we need to move forward that's a big thing yeah. resilience is getting up like that child getting up like that baby and starting to try and walk again yeah and then falling down and then getting back up yeah that's how we need to do it this sounds like the auntie phyllis hour <laughs> <laughs> um and, and that actually i know you've you nicknamed auntie phyllis um, but you're a whole life coach. Yeah. What is that? So really it's recognising that everything that we do affects everything that we do. And so as a coach, I'm, you know, looking at what you do with your body, your movement, how you do that, how you can help yourself with your mind, what you can use, whether or not that's meditation, having hypnotherapy, you can self -hypno use self-hypnosis, whether or not you use things like EFT and tapping, so with emotional freedom therapy, those things. It's looking at all of the things around you 
that mean you are who you are. It's not just de dealing with the knots that are in your shoulders, it's the knots that are in your mind as well, those mm. things that are stopping you, mm. unraveling those. Mm. And that's how I see myself as a whole life coach, really just unraveling everything so that you can be in a better position. We, we're always going to have something that's affecting us, but it's recognising that we can then move on from it. So your hands on... And heads on. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got to admit, I did think a few years ago, just through the pandemic, that I probably was going to do less hands-on. But it's 30 years now of hands-on therapy. And when I stopped for a very short period of time, I realised that I felt like my hands had been cut off. I really love that mm. hands-on. So, mm. you know, it's doing that. I do stuff online. That's great because you do, you do feel the energy of other people, even over a Zoom call. Mm. Um, but ultimately, I think I'll always be doing something hands-on as well. Mm. Probably, as I said, just before I'm pushing up those daisies. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't sound like you're um, past it by any stretch of imagination. <laughs> so my big question is, what's next? What are you working on at the moment? So... Big time, I'm working on this course that I want to put out there for women about the perimenopause and menopausal health and how you can deal with it holistically and positively. So that's going to be my initial thing. That will be an online and then it will be really doing sort of like almost um, like masterminds around that, small groups where we can talk around that thing and how to move us positively. So that is what I'm working on at the moment, still seeing my patients and doing lots of coaching with them and moving them forward in their lives. Mm, very good. How can anybody find out more about that? So um, there'll be more information on that on my website, which is www.phylliswoodfine.com. Um, on there, there's actually a download that you can do, which is the Heart Resilience Framework. Um, and it is something dear to my heart. It's it's looking at how we can be resilient and the things that you can do for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and then just emailing me, I will always get back to you. So again, that's pwosteo at gmail.com or on my website, there's also links on there as to how you can get in contact with me. Fab. Well, we'll make sure that we share that. Thank you. Is there anything that we haven't spoken about today that is burning on your chest and you cannot leave here without talking about it. Uh, not that I can think of immediately. The one thing that I do, 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 do want to remind women of is we are amazing. You are amazing. Don't forget that. Don't allow anything to make you not realise that you have got some amazing library books in there, but there are others that you need to give back. Give those back. Mm. Oh, that's powerful. Thanks, Phyllis. My pleasure. I can't wait for us to do the next one, but you need to get your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Oh, it was great. Thank Karen. you so much. You've been listening to the Challenger CEO podcast with your host, Karen Pollard. Follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok at The Challenger CEO or subscribe at www.karenpala.com forward slash podcast.